You're listening to On the Brink, a podcast that brings you up-and-coming country music artists. We expressly prohibit the reproduction of any parts of the podcast without our written consent. Please send your request via onthebrinkpodcast.com, where you can also sign up for updates. Please also support our sister site, stonecoldcountry.net. We sincerely thank you for listening and congratulate you on your expanding music library. Hey y'all, Santa here. I'd like to thank Recruiting Awesome for sponsoring this On The Brand podcast episode. If you're an organization that is looking to hire new employees, I would absolutely recommend that you go to recruitingawesome.net and find out more about this stellar organization. They have over 15 years of experience in the talent acquisition and HR consulting space. They are absolutely able to put your organization on the right expansion plan. If this sounds appealing to you, then why not just give them a call right now? That phone number is 1-800-748-0518. Once again, that number is 1-800-748-0518. Or you can visit them at recruitingawesome.net. They take the worry out of recruiting. And don't forget to tell them that you heard the good news from Santa. Welcome to Stone Cold Country's On The Brink podcast, where we bridge the best of the old with the new. Hi, I'm Santa. We like to keep our ears to the ground for the kind of country music that respects our roots and is moving forward. When I spoke to Blaine Holcomb, that is the impression I walked away with. He's one of the new voices in the Nashville scene that are bringing their interpretation of country music. His sound is somewhere between Luke Combs and Cody Johnson. You can hear that he is a fan of traditional country music. He's cut his teeth on the off-Broadway club circuit in Nashville, even netting a residency at the traditional country venue Music City Bar. The latest six-song EP, Over a Beer, is like pulling up a seat and watching Blaine's life unfold. From heartfelt times fishing with his late napa to deriving inspiration from a fan at a show. In this On The Brink special, we talk about his early life growing up in a family of hunters, his love for traditional country, and his future. Fans of Riley Green, John Party, and Kojo will especially like Blaine's music. Enjoy. Tell us about your upcoming release. It sounds awesome. The songs that we've heard so far sounds really good. I mean, I'd love to hear in your own words all about this upcoming release. And is it your debut? Um, cool. Yeah. So, so basically, um, um, so I've been in Nashville for six years now. I moved down here from upstate New York um, in 2015. And it's not this, this next, this new album is not my debut. I actually, uh, um, I released a self-titled album a couple of years ago. Uh, I released a single in 2018 and then a, a, the full album in 2019. Uh, and that was just a self-titled, the, fir- the first thing that I've done, um, like kind of professionally since moving to Nashville. I did a little bit of recording back in New York before I moved here, but that that was the first thing that I did. And, uh, you know, I, I love traditional country music. I've always been a big fan of it. I'm a big 90s country fan. Oh, yeah. um, but also, you know, I go way back to, I mean, for, for years now in Nashville, I've, I've played at several of the Broadway honky-tonks, and I do a lot of traditional country in my sets. And, uh, and um, I also played 
for probably close to two years, I had a residency out at the Music City Bar and Grill, which is right oh, out near the Grand Ole Opry. That yeah. area, like the Music Valley out there, like that's uh, yeah, yeah that like Scoreboard Music City Bar and Grill, Natural Palace. That's almost all traditional country, which is really yeah. Really cool. really I played cool. up there on Friday nights for uh, probably a couple of years. And we did nothing but, I mean, we, we didn't even do 90s. I mean, it was like anything from uh-huh. Hank Williams Sr. through like the, maybe like the 70s and 80s, but it was like George Jones, Merle Haggard, Ray Price, Conway Twitty, just all the old stuff, you know? All the good stuff. Awesome. So yeah, so anyways, I I, uh, I released my first album, Self-Titled, and uh, and I was really proud of it, really happy with it. It's, uh, it's very country, uh, which is great. Um, and I just, I coming out of it with this new one, I, I tried to shift gears just a little bit and make this new one still be country, but have a little bit more of like a contemporary fresh sound. I felt like the last one maybe sounded a little bit too much like the nineties um, and not quite f- uh, as fresh as I wanted it to sound. Um, like I said, I still love the old, the old album and that one's available on all the streaming platforms and stuff. Um, so people can go check that out on Spotify, Apple music, Amazon, mm-hmm. iTunes, wherever. Um, but this, with this new one, I feel like it's still country. It still has the elements of traditional country music in it. But, you know, the, the, with the lyrics, the songwriting, the storytelling, and then obviously the instrumentation, pedal steel, guitar, fiddle, that kind of stuff. But it, it has a little bit more of a modern contemporary sound to it with this new project, I think. Yeah. So what's the name of your new album? The new one is, is titled Over a Beer. Uh, that's, that's the title track. That's one of the songs on there. We, we picked that song as the title track of the EP um, because there's six songs total. And I felt like Over a Beer was just a fun, up-tempo song that kind of embodied like the themes of the entire uh, the entire project. I just felt like that song captured what this whole project has been about and kind of just authentic Blaine Holcomb and just me growing up in a rural northern New York town and, and uh, you know, growing up listening to country music, hunting and fishing and all that stuff. I just feel like, you know, this album kind of, that, that's, that's the themes that run through this this EP and, and over a beer seem like the, the right fit for a title. Hey, no. I actually have friends that live, and you probably never heard of this town. It is in upstate New York. It's called Olean. I mean, it's way up there close to the Canadian border. Okay, so yeah. Um, I, I'm not familiar with that town, but I, I went to college at St. Lawrence University, which is only 30 okay. minutes from the Canadian border, so... Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. It's beautiful country up there. I mean, most people, you know, whenever you think of New York, you think of the big city, but um, upstate New York has, and I don't know if you've ever (laughs) tried hunting around these parts, Um, uh, the deer, you know, especially like on the East coast, you know, Florida and everything, you know, Southern East coast, I should say, they look like, you know, maybe, uh, you know, dogs upstate New York, you get those big deers. (laughs) Yeah, There's there's big deer up there for sure. Big, big body deer. Um, in Tennessee, I've noticed that the deer are still fairly big body wise here, but yeah, if you get down into like the Southeast, like South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, they get to look Florida. (laughs) They look like dogs. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, you get 16 pointers and above, you know, from that area in upstate New York. That's awesome. So who worked with you on this new album? So your producer, tell me some of the musicians, anyone yeah. we would recognize? Yeah, so uh, so um, it, this album was produced by my good friend Jay Brunswick. He uh, He's a writer, uh, songwriter here. He's been in Nashville for, I think, about 15 years. He's from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, originally. And uh him and I have become friends over the past couple of years, really good friends. And we both love the same kind of country music. So we really kind of gelled with that. And uh, it's been great working with him. Um, and he uh, he 
has been a signed songwriter in Nashville for quite a few years now. And he's had a lot of cuts by some major artists and worked with a lot of, a lot of uh, bigger people in the industry. But currently he's a uh, signed, signed writer with Sony ATV publishing. Um, and yeah, he does some production stuff here and there on the side and he doesn't do a lot of it. Um, but you know, he's him and I are really close and he, I think he really likes me and believes in me and what I'm trying to do. So it's been great. Yeah. So Jay produced all six of these songs and, uh, he helped me put the band together. Uh, the engineers was Chris Utley and he kind of also put the band together. The band was just an amazing group of guys, really, really fun guys to hang out with. And, uh, they were all, I don't know if you would know their names or not, but they're all like a team session guys, like heavy hitters. Like half the band was nominated this year for ACM awards. Like the drummer Evan Hutchings was nominated for drummer of the year. And the steel player, Justin Shipper was nominated for steel player of the year. Um, and, uh, the the uh, I think the keyboard player piano player Billy Noble was nominated. Um, the the lead guitar player Justin Ostrander, acoustic guitar player uh, Tim Galloway. Um, but anyways, all these guys uh, and then the bass player Eli Beard. But all these guys play on sessions. That's like their main thing, and and they've played on a lot of hits. And they, these guys have played on a lot of what you'll hear on the radio or just all kinds of different projects. Great. Where did you record out of? We recorded, uh, so we recorded two of the songs actually uh, at Benchmark Benchmark Sound Studio, and then that was actually before the pandemic, and then obviously the pandemic happened, and that kind of messed everything up for a while, and then we recorded the other four at Omni Sound Studio right on Division Street in, that, in Nashville, they're right by, uh, um, right by like the Red Door Saloon and stuff. Um, but yeah, so we recorded, and then, and then I tracked, uh, that was with the band, and then I tracked the vocals at Sound Emporium. Okay, sound important. Great. Well, I know that you like every single song on this new album. I mean, it would not have made it on your album, but there's almost always like that one song that you really feel that you sounded great on, like maybe better than any of the other songs. Which one would that be? Um, well, I guess if I had to just pick a favorite, um, it probably would be the, the song Beer Tastes Better. Um, that song to me, since uh, the day that I wrote it with my buddy, Jabe Burgess, um, and Jabe and I are really good friends and, and he's one of my favorite guys to write with here in Nashville. And he's an artist writer and him and I write a lot together. And he's actually, he wrote three out of these six songs with me on this project. Um, and so that one probably is the one that, that I think is probably my best song to date. I just, I love that song. I think it's well-written. I think it, it uh, tells a cool story and, uh, it's got this nostalgic kind of a fun, like reminiscent of old, old fun memories, nostalgic kind of a vibe to it. And uh, yeah, I just love it. The, and the story behind it's cool too. You know, I, as I mentioned earlier, I used to play at Music City Bar and Grill. And right. uh, one of those Friday nights I was playing and like I said, we played nothing but traditional country out there. And there was a, a gentleman in the audience that walked up and threw some money in the tip jar and said, hey man, thanks for playing the old classics. You made the beer taste better. <laughs> and, and I instantly thought that should be a song. And I pulled my phone out and jotted that down in my notes. And then, you know, my buddy and I, Jabe, we got together and, uh, and wrote that one. So I'm, I'm really proud of that song. And, and, uh, like I said, yeah, like you said, you know, I love all the songs on there and, and, you know, keep your line in the water is another one that means a lot to me because I wrote it about my grandfather. So it's very personal, but I'm kind of curious to know who are like your biggest influences, you know, musically speaking, I know that we talked a lot about traditional country and everything, but I'm wondering if there's like one or two artists that really kind of rise above for you that you keep going back to, um, in terms of, you know, your, your love for their music. Yeah. Um, so I guess if I picked like one or two, 
Um, I would say probably like Brad Beasley for sure was, was big for me. Uh, when I was going through middle school and high school, I was a huge Brad Paisley fan, saw him in concert lots of times. So he was always a big influence on me, but also Eric Church. Uh, I know these are two like the more maybe contemporary guys, but Eric Church, I've always loved him. I've been a big fan of him as far as like singer songwriter. I think he's an amazing writer and his songs tell a story and it's just really good, solid country music, especially his early stuff. Like his first album, Sinners Like Me, is my favorite album. His every song is just incredible. But Aside from that, because, yes, I love traditional country music, I, I always kind of go back to my roots. And if somebody asks me uh, kind of a similar question, I always say, well, here's my, my, my country music, Mount Rushmore. And that is, uh, is uh, Merle Haggard, George Jones, Keith Whitley, and Daryl Singletary. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love yeah. all those guys. Yeah. In, my, in my opinion, Merle Haggard is the greatest that ever lived. I think you could put him up against uh, you know Towns Van Zant, Bob Dylan, John Prine, mm-hmm. any of the great uh, songwriters you know of all time, really. Merle Haggard, in, in terms of country music, is the best ever, um, in my opinion. George Jones, probably the best voice of country music. Keith Whitley, right there with him, and same with Daryl Singletary. I, I got to meet Daryl a couple times uh, before he uh, tragically passed away here a couple years ago, and Daryl's mm-hmm. a super nice guy and friends with some of the guys in his band and stuff. And, uh, and I just love him for keeping traditional country music alive. And I just think he's the, the greatest country singer of his generation, if not one of the best all time. Oh yeah. Daryl Singletary. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was just watching, um, an old video of his, he was doing a, a Johnny paycheck song, um, old violin. Old violin. Yeah. Nobody does it better. Nobody oh, does. Oh my gosh. Yeah. When you hear that song, I mean, if you don't tear up, there's something wrong with you. You might want to check your pulse. <laughs> that was the last song he ever, he always closed his shows with that song. And that was the last yeah. song he played on stage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was just phenomenal, you know, um, and definitely one of those mainline traditionalists um, as well. And it's just that he could sing almost anything. I mean, yeah. I really never heard like a bad song from Daryl. Right, right. <laughs> I got to see him about two times um, early in his career. And then I saw him like a year before um, he passed on, you know, so and that that was kind of a shocker. I mean, I don't think anyone expected Daryl to pass on. So um Kind of, you know, you're here today and, you know, gone tomorrow. Um, I think this pandemic has kind of, you know, put that, you know, um, feeling, you know, in everyone and kind of motivated to do things, um, you know, maybe quickly, you know, because you just don't know if you're going to be around. And then Keith Whitley, um, he had an anniversary. Um, it was like, um, let me see, 32 yeah. years. Yeah. on. Yeah, you know? yeah, I think it was it was May of uh, eighty nine, I think. Yeah, yeah, May ninth. Uh, well, yeah, May 9th of nineteen eighty nine. So, yeah, I mean, those are great. Everyone you mentioned is just absolutely phenomenal. Now, who gives you hope for country music? Now, yeah. is it Eric Church? Is it you know um, some of the other people you mentioned? Yeah, I think. Well, if you, I guess I would look at more of like the new kind of up and coming guys. And it's, it's hard for me to even call this guy new and up and coming because he's been around for, for a long time now. But uh, Cody Johnson is one of my favorites. Um, I know he's new to like the Nashville scene, but he's made a huge name for himself in Texas over the last 10 years or more. Um, and he's just amazing. Like he's he's incredible. Uh, I love I love him. He's one of my favorites. And he's he's making real country music. It's traditional country. With, it's that, that Texas country thing. But he's, he's found a way to 
to make it sound fresh and modern. And so he's, he's, he's worked his way into, you know, uh, uh, country radio, mainstream country radio, and, you know, a, a big major label record deal here in Nashville with Warren music. And, and so Cody Johnson is one for sure that I, I think gives me hope for the future. And, and then Riley Green's another one of the, the younger guys, you know, Riley Green, I think is great. He's got that kind of nineties country thing going on, but it has a fresh sound to it. And you mentioned earlier, John party. He's another one that's, you know, that's really doing like a George Strait kind of a thing almost, you know, and I think it's great. I mean, music is always trendy and we went through that phase. It's always going to change, you know, and evolve. And so we went through that phase of like the last maybe 10 years or so where it was very heavily like bro country, tailgate country, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, Florida, Georgia line, that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to like diss it. Like it's fine. That stuff has its place and it's, you know, it, you know, people like that stuff and that's great, but that's not me. That's not what I do. And, and I think that now I'm starting to see it kind of come back around where that's kind of, that trend is starting to kind of wear off and, and the songs are starting to come back around to uh, more of a lyric based kind of a country thing. And, and guys like Riley Green and Cody Johnson for me are guys that are doing really well with that. Yeah. I, yeah, I have to agree there. Cody Johnson um, saw the uh, video he did with Reba. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Rodeo. And Reba's one of my favorites too, you know, but yeah, Cody, I've known about Cody for at least 10 years now. Yeah. You know? yeah and, and also he, Cody did that cover of that Reba song from the eighties, whoever's in new England. Um, yes. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Yeah, he absolutely did. Now, did he actually release that song? I think um, so. Yeah, I think it's on it's on the like just the acoustic version is on I think Spotify and, and those oh, oh man, I'm gonna have to check that out. But yeah, I saw the video to that and I just thought it was amazing. Now yeah. kind of switching gears, so we talked a little bit about you know where you're from. You're from upstate New York, and I will tell you that we have um let's see, we have about <laughs> I'd say 85% of the people that listen to this show and podcast are like avid fishermen, they're avid marksmen, hunters, that type of thing. And if I don't ask you what your favorite spots are to go hunting or fishing, um, I'll get in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) They're secret. They're a secret. (laughs) uh, I'll tell you, I'll I'll give you a a vague description. I'm not going to give away any of my secret spots. (laughs) Um, No, uh, um, and all the hunters and fishermen that listen to this, they get it. My grandfather was a big, uh, really big bass fisherman, and he taught me how to bass fish. I wrote my song uh, on this album, Keep Your Line in the Water, about him. And he uh, he used to, he, he won a lot of tournaments. Um, he passed away in 2006, and I think to this day, he's still like maybe third all time in the in the bass wow. club that he fished in. Um, but anyway, um, he uh, he used to, people would ask him something like, you know, where'd you, where'd you catch that one? And he'd say something like, oh, right, in the, right in the mouth, right in the lip. <laughs> But, uh, uh, yeah, so I, I love the, I love the deer hunt. I, I turkey hunt as well. Um, and uh, I love the deer hunt. It's a big passion of mine. I was born into a hunting family and, and I love to, uh, I love to hunt in the Adirondack mountains in Northern New York state. I love the big woods hunting. I, I've been up to Northern Maine a couple times with one of my college buddies. And I love the adventure of that. You know, like I, I, well, first of all, when I, I archery hunt and I, I hunt with a longbow, so I, I do the traditional oh. archery thing. I used to hunt with a compound bow, but I switched it up and I'm very into the traditional archery stuff now. So when I do my bow hunting, I do that in Tennessee, mainly now because I live here. And, and that's more like, you know, typical farmland kind of uh, a deal, you know, hunting out of a tree with my, with my long bow. But when I, when I like to, when I rifle hunt, when I gun hunt, I like to go up north and I like to go 
uh, you know, in the Adirondack Mountains or up in the you know northern Maine in the big woods. And I just like to be off the grid. And I like to do that big wood style hunting, which is like basically tracking. So you, the way I, there's, there's several styles, ways to do it. You know, one way is, is you can just kind of still hunt and just put the wind at your face and slowly walk through the woods looking for deer. Um, but, uh, the way I prefer to do it, which is really very fun and exciting is, uh, is if you get some fresh snow on the ground, you can just track. And so you basically hike around the mountains until you find a fresh deer track. And if you're, if you know what you're doing, you can analyze the track and tell if it's a, a, a buck or not, and if it's a big one and one you want to follow and how fresh it is. And if you think you have a chance to catch up to it, and then you basically just follow that track all day long and see if you can, you know, if you're a good enough woodsman and hunter to, uh, to sneak up on this deer and, and maybe get a shot at it. And I love that style of hunting because it's challenging. Not many people do it. You have to be a good woodsman. You have to, you have to trust yourself to be able to get out of the woods at the end of the day and not get lost. Um, and it just, for me, it's just, that's, that's the most rewarding and satisfying, uh, way to hunt in my opinion. So I love that. Those are the areas that I, I hunt, you know, the uh, so are you sure you're not going to give me not one little tiny area that you've had a lot of, come on now. Yeah, no, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, um, uh, well, I, I also hunt in, in around my hometown and stuff too with, with my family, but, uh. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the the I mean, I could I could tell you like areas in the Adirondack Mountains, and it's like it's that's not even really giving anything away because it's like if you still got to go up there and hike around and try to find the deer. There's not that many of them in the in the dense you know, mountains, big woods and stuff. But yeah, I, I've hunted like I've hunted a lot in like the like the Moose River Plains area and like the the Blue the Blue Ridge area and stuff like that of uh, of of northern New York. Yeah. All right. Awesome. And so what's the uh, biggest, you know, deer you've ever gotten? Like, you know? Yeah. So well, the biggest deer, like antler wise, um, yeah. I, 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 uh, I got with my bow and that was in 2015 and that was actually in Southern central uh, Ohio. Oh. I went on a hunting trip with my dad and some, some friends in Ohio and I shot a 10 point uh, that scored um, about 146 inches. So it's pretty wow. nice buck. Um, yeah. that's the biggest one I've ever got, uh, antler wise. I've shot some nice ones in New York. I got a, a one with my rifle, um, in 2016 that, that was an eight point that was scored, you know, close to, uh, to 120. And then, uh, um, and then I got a couple of nice ones here in Tennessee. I got one with my recurve that was, um, a really nice deer that scored in the one twenties. Um, so yeah, I've, I've shot some decent deer. Um, I'm, I'm not like a, I haven't really been able to hunt a lot in the Midwest where they have like the real giant monsters, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I've got some nice deer. And for me, honestly, for me, I care more about how I, I get the deer versus like necessarily how big it is. Like, obviously I want to shoot a big one and I, I let a lot of smaller ones go, but, but like, I kind of, like I explained, like, you know, I, I hunt now with a traditional bow. So that's very challenging i'm limiting yeah. myself to close range shots and right and challenging myself and then and then with the big woods rifle hunting like that's hard to do i mean you, you you spend a whole season up up in the big woods in the mountains and you might not even see a deer you know so it's right. i definitely care more about how i i hunt than than how big of what i get kind of thing yeah yeah that sounds awesome how did you get into archery i'm very curious about that uh, just born into it really when I, you know, my, my dad, my uncles, my grandfather, they all bow hunted when, when I was, you know, when I was born. So, uh, uh, I got into it that way through them. And, uh, we always had our little family deer camp and we'd hunt together and stuff. And so I started with a compound bow and I shot several deer with that when I got older and old enough to hunt. And then, you know, over the last maybe six years or so, I just, I got the itch for, for traditional archery. I just thought, 
you know, I was like, man, this looks really cool. It's definitely a challenge. It's something that not many people do because it's not easy to do. And you, you, you know, it's not one of these things where you can just pick up your bow the day before the season, shoot a couple practice arrows and go hunt. Like, this is like, you know, you need to be shooting every week, almost every day if you can, just to keep your skills up. And it's, it's takes a lot of time and it's a big commitment, but it's a challenge and I love it. So I got, I got really hooked into this. Awesome. Great. That that's amazing. Um, Blaine. And it sounds like you guys, you know, really close, really tight. And you had the benefit of what it sounds like, you know, growing up with your grandpa, you know, with your papa. That's awesome. Yeah, you know? both of them, actually. I was fortunate to grow up. Uh, I was only five minutes away from both sets of grandparents, my mom's parents and my dad's parents. So I was very lucky to be able to grow very close with it, with all of them. That's great. Well, speaking of which, let's go ahead and hear that song. I think keep your keep, keep the your line, line in the water. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go ahead and hear that. He'd come in to wake me. At 5 a.m., hey bub, it's time to go Find my blue jeans, my boots, and my favorite old hat While he backed up his truck to the boat We'd hit the lake with that sky turning red There was no place that I'd rather be And when I got mad, cause I couldn't catch a thing He said, sit down and listen to me Keep your head where your heart is Keep your feet on the ground Dream of the big ones and they'll come around Let the good Lord work the rest out Keep your line in the water Grandpa sat in his old rocking chair With that TV remote in his hand If your first love don't last It's not all that bad Someday you'll understand Keep your head where your heart is Keep your feet on the ground Dream of that one girl And she'll come around Let the good Lord work the rest out Keep your line in the water Well, the day finally came He passed away And I thought that life wasn't fair But when I need advice I go back to that place Cause I know he'll always be there your head where your heart is keep your feet on the ground and dream of the big lights and they'll come around and 
Be sure to keep your faith in the Father And keep your line in the water That sounds good. And what an amazing experience to have, right? Um, just growing up with your folks like that, you know, uh, grandparents on both sides. Now, were your grandparents on both sides, you know, avid hunters and things like that, or just on your paternal side, your dad's side? No, yeah, both sides. So, yeah, so my my grandfather on my mom's side is the one that, uh, that I wrote the song Keep Your Line in the Water about. He was the big bass fisherman, and he also hunted as well. He hunted deer and, and stuff. Um, so yeah, both, both sides of the family, uh, were, were hunters and fishermen. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. And, and it's a darn good song as well. Do you think you might release it as a single down the road? Yeah. Yeah. Keep your line in the water is going to be the second single on this, on this project. It comes out July 30th. Oh, that's great. That's outstanding. So, um, I know that your family, you know, were, you know, big into the outdoors and everything. Cause you know, we've talked a lot about it, but were any of your family, uh, big in music? I mean, any of them musically oriented? I mean, how did you get your love and passion for music? Uh, yeah. So nobody in my family really played uh, music that much. Um, my family always, um, you know, listened mainly to country music. And so I kind of grew up listening to country radio. Um, and my grandfather, my dad's side, I was really big, um, you know, Hank Williams senior fan and a lot of traditional country. So he kind of got me into that a little bit, but, uh, uh, as far as me playing music, I just, um, I just always wanted to play guitar for whatever reason. I don't know why, but I always wanted to learn. And so I finally started taking lessons when I was 11 and, and it just kind of stuck. And it, it, you know, when I was going through middle school and high school, I always played music, played guitar, got better and learned and stuff. And I always enjoyed it, but it was just kind of a hobby. And I was always playing sports and stuff like that. Um, but once I got into college, sports was over and uh, music kind of took on a, a bigger role in my life. And, and it kind of eventually led me to be like, all right, this is what I want to do. So when I graduate college, I'm going to pack up and move to Nashville and give it a shot. And how did your family feel about that? And we're just curious, you know. <laughs> yeah, they they've always been very supportive, and they still they still are. Yeah, they they think it's great. Oh, that's awesome! That's really great. You know, um, because sometimes you know, if you don't have a musically inclined family, they don't understand. They think, well, that's just crazy talk. You know, why yeah. are you <laughs> throw your life away and become I don't know a penniless broke you know <laughs> musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So you talked a little bit about high school, and it sounds like you might have been in sports. So were you like the jock in high school, or? or well, I guess I guess you would call it that, um, just because I did play a lot of sports. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I played soccer, I played hockey. Hockey was always my favorite sport, um, and uh, played I played baseball for a little while, and then I switched to lacrosse. Played lacrosse for a while, and then I I eventually switched to golf. Actually, I played golf my whole life. I started my dad. Uh, got me playing golf when I was probably six or seven years old, but I never played competitively until uh, junior year of high school. So my junior and senior year of high school, I played on the golf team. Um, so yeah, I mean, soccer, hockey, lacrosse, golf, played sports all through high school. But then when I got to college, that was kind of it for me. I was not good enough to play, you know, varsity sports at, you know, the, at the division one level. So was that devastating for you? I mean, did you not really, not really? Cause I, I kind of knew it, you know, and I kind of made, I kind of made that decision probably around because hockey was always my favorite sport. So if there ever would have been one sport that I would have tried to play competitively in college at the, you know, at the collegiate level would have been hockey. And 
I kind of made the decision, I guess, somewhere you know, I, when I was maybe around 12 or 13, where like I would have had to get real serious about it and really start traveling around and going to like some elite camps and doing, you know, right. thinking about maybe going to prep school and just taking that route. And that probably would have restricted me from playing other sports. It would have had to be like, put all your eggs in one basket and hope it works out. And I, I just kind of decided, I guess I just kind of decided that I didn't want to do that. You know, I was just going to kind of play hockey back home and, and then have the freedom to play other sports and play music and, and hunt and fish and do whatever. And, and then I, so by the time, yeah, by the time I was in high school, I knew that I was not going to be playing division one college hockey. So um, it wasn't, it wasn't that big of a deal. It's just kind of a decision that I made and it worked out. I mean, music, music kind of took over and became that thing. And, 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 uh, and now here I am in Nashville. So. Did you finish college? Yeah, I graduated. You have a four year degree from St. Lawrence university. I graduated in 2014. What, what did you uh, major in? What's your degree in? My degree was uh, performance and communication arts. Uh, so more like kind of rhetoric communications. And then I, I had a minor in music as well. Well, that's good. That's great. That's a solid foundation. I always, you know, uh, surprised when someone drops out of college to pursue music because I always think, well, why? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, it's a good foundation. And I think a lot of with artists, what I've seen, uh, Blaine, is that they don't understand that this is uh, really a business. So you have to really know how to navigate within that business structure. Yeah. I mean, you're an artist and you're creative and that's just a small part of it. Right. <laughs> the rest exactly. is everything that uh, kind of ties into that. So it's good to have that strong academic, uh, you know, foundation. I truly believe that. Um, so when you look back now, Blaine, um, and I actually, I don't know how old you are. How old are you right now? I'm 29. Okay. All right. So you're getting up there, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. I know. I turned 30 this summer. I'm not looking forward you to it. You look much younger, though. I, I wouldn't have thought you were 29. I, I really nice. wouldn't. Have, I would have thought you were like 24, 25 or something. So that's good, you yeah. know. But now, since you're, you know, 29, when you look back, Blaine, um, and you look at, you know, who you were, you know, in high school, um, in middle school, in elementary school, I mean, what would you say to that person right now, knowing all that, you know, everything that you've experienced, you know, the highs, the lows, yeah. everything? Yeah, I don't I guess, you know, probably just live in the moment. Enjoy it, you know, enjoy, enjoy all the sports and stuff, you know, because that, that, that stuff doesn't last forever. Um, and just kind of, you know, don't worry about it too much. Just live in the moment and enjoy that stuff and enjoy your, your youth and everything. I mean, that's what. That's, and I feel like that's one of the themes of the CP even, you know, just like reminiscing on the past, you know, nostalgic memories from my, my childhood and just, yeah, live in the moment and, and enjoy it. Don't worry. Don't stress over, over stuff, you know. I think that's great advice, especially, you know, uh, the pandemic still, you know, we're kind of seeing the tail end, I hope. And so I think that it's, you know, easy to kind of fall into that trap where you're, you know, don't know what tomorrow's going to bring and don't know how things are going to work out. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. And with that in mind, do you mind if I play one of the songs that I really like off of your latest album? Sure. Yeah. Oh, New Neon. I really like that one. So let's hear it. <laughs> I know this place like the stamp on the back of my hand Every picture on the wall in that same old cover band From 
the creek in the sawdust floor where we used to dance to the table by the door where you walked out in the end I can't bring myself to go back there again I think I need some new neon somewhere a song won't be on where I can have a drink or two and not think about you at all I think I'd probably be better off somewhere I wouldn't feel so lost a thousand miles from the bar stool you left me on I think I need some new Somewhere nobody knows me when I walk in No memories of you, no one asking where you been Just a brand new start and a change of scenery Under the light of a Budweiser sign I ain't ever seen about you at all I think I'd probably be better off somewhere I wouldn't feel so lost a thousand miles from the bar stool you left me on I think I need some new So Nashville is kind of a tough town, Lane. Um, so I'm kind of curious to kind of find out more about, you know, your experiences uh, when you moved to Nashville. I mean, what do you wish you would have known before you actually made the leap? Um, so I guess, uh, I guess what I would have, what I, maybe what I wish I would have known and what I would have focused on a little more is probably social media. It probably sounds weird, but and I'm not a big social media guy. Um, I don't even, I don't, I never even look at my Twitter account. Yeah. So basically I have it because I have to have it for music and I'm trying to be better with it, you know, and, 
and uh, my, my, my team that's helping me here, they're, they're helping me with it some. So it's, it's good, but it's, I wish that I would have had a little bit more foresight to have known to maybe take it a little more seriously and focus on it because it's such a, it's such an important part of, of making it today. You know, whether you like it or not, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's almost a double-edged sword. Like it's, it, it, it's a big deal. And if you, if you can amass that big following and get some very loyal, dedicated fans be following you, then it, you know, it makes a big difference in, in, in your career. So I wish I probably would have focused a little more on social media before moving to Nashville. Um, maybe would have had a little bit more of a head start on that. Um, and then the other thing is songwriting. You know, I mean, I, I did write some before I moved here. Probably wish I would have written a little more, but just over the last six years, that's one of the things I'm, I'm most proud of, I think, is my writing has developed quite a bit. Um, just being surrounded by some of the best writers in, in the world, you know, here and, and learning from them. Yeah, the very best songwriters are in Nashville, um, regardless of what, you know, people might think about, you know, some of the music that's coming out of Nashville. Um, you know, some people say a lot of it is formulaic and, you know, sounds all the same. But, you know, at the end of the day, the very best songwriters are in Nashville. And there's yeah. all types of songwriters. It's not just country music. You know, it's right. really off the board. So, yeah, totally agree with you uh, on that. But, you know, I think it must have been maybe it wasn't scary for you. Maybe you already knew what you wanted to do. And so you were kind of like, you know, I'm just going to go for it and I'm just going to do this, um, which is great. Um, mm -hmm. And having and you know, I think that a person that has a sports background, someone who's competed, you know, um, in sports probably has, you know, what it takes. You know what I mean? Kind of, yeah. you know, I mean, I think that's a very important that like, I don't know, I would call it the winning, uh, you know, mentality, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, yeah, yeah. Being, uh, competitive and that type of thing um, in, a, in a good way. Uh, so I'm also very curious uh, to, you know, kind of find out what do you feel was the toughest thing that you've been through in your life so far? Like when you look back, what do yeah. you really feel was tough? Probably just losing both of my grandfathers, um, you know, but both, fortunately, both of my grandmothers are still, still alive, still here. And that's, and that's great. Um, but, uh, you know, my, my mom's dad, the one that I wrote, keep your line in the water about, um, his passing was very tragic and sudden. He was, he was pretty young. He was only 66. He passed when I was a freshman in high school. So that was very unexpected. Um, wow. that was very hard. And then, uh, and then, you know, my dad's dad as well. I mean, I was a little bit more prepared for that when he was getting older and, and his health was failing, but it still was, it was hard because I was very, very close to him, both of them and, you know, very, very close to him. So it was, it was tough, but, uh, you know, but I think music helped, helped dealing with both of all that because, uh, I wrote the song, keep your line in the water about my, my mom's dad. And, and then I actually uh, sang a couple songs per my, my grandfather's request at his funeral. Um, my, my dad's dad. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. That's huge. <laughs> Actually, yeah. So the two, so on my, my original album, my self-titled album that I released a couple of years ago, there's three, there's six like full band production songs. And then there's three acoustic tracks. Um, and two, two of the three are songs that were written by uh, one of my good, good friends in Nashville, kind of my, my main mentor, songwriter, uh, Mark Allen Springer. And uh, one of them was originally recorded by Kenny Chesney uh, called uh, Grandpa Told Me So. And the other one was originally recorded by the band Alabama called It Works. And those two songs, I put my own acoustic versions on my first album because 
those are the two songs that I chose to sing at my grandfather's funeral because they just kind of reminded me of him and, and uh, you know, and the way he lived and stuff. So that, that meant a lot to me. So I put those on there as like bonus tracks. And then I also did a, like a solo acoustic track of keep your line in the water, you know, for my other grandfather. So those are like the little acoustic bonus tracks on that first album. And then keep your line in the water. We re-recorded for this new project and we did that with a full band arrangement. So um, I'm excited to be releasing that new version uh, this summer. Yeah. And we just heard it and it's an amazing song. What did you really uh, love about your grandparents? You know, both sets that are gone right now. Well, your uh, grandfather on your dad's side and your grandfather on your mom's side. So I'm wondering, because it sounds like you grew up with them in your life very prominently. I'm sure there's some values and things like that that you learned from them that you carry with you even today. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, they were both, you know, you know, good, hardworking Americans, blue collar guys, you know, salt of the earth kind of people. And they, they taught me a lot of those, you know, life lessons instilled a lot of those values in me. And, uh, but I also learned a lot of that from spending quality time with them hunting and fishing, you know, and some people, people that, you know, that are non hunters or don't understand it, they might not see that as quality time, but that's, that's really what it's all about spending that kind of time with you. When you share that kind of a bond with, with whether it's your, your, you know, your, parents or your your other family members grandparents whatever it's it's a it's a strong bond and it's i think it's really played a big role in kind of shaping me into who i am today for sure yeah absolutely and those are memories that you look back on and you know they're positive so yeah i totally uh, can understand where you're coming from there so what puts a smile on your face right now like is there a song that anytime you hear it it's like it doesn't matter how upset you might be it's instant happiness is there anything like that yeah i mean i'll I'll pick i mean it's that's a tough one because there's probably a hundred you know but uh it's like when people ask me play your favorite song i was like i don't know i mean i got lots of favorite songs but uh but uh, yeah, I mean, I you know, I pick a couple Cody Johnson songs. My favorite Cody Johnson album is uh, his "Cowboy Like Me" album, and, and the first two tracks, first two tracks in that album, "Dance Her Home" and "Me and My Kind," just two awesome you know country songs that I love. And it, yeah, I mean, I love playing those songs. Anytime I hear them, it puts me in good mood. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I love me some Cody. He, he's just great. I like that he has a little bit of, you know, the Texas swing in there on some of his songs, you know, so that's awesome as well. Yep. So um, we've made it to uh, a question that's one of the most dreaded in this podcast, I must say. Yeah. <laughs> I've gotten complaints. Okay. <laughs> by some. Um, I won't say everyone hates this question, but pretty much. <laughs> Okay. It's very straightforward. Um, you know, if you were on a deserted island, Blaine, yep. what yep. five albums would you have to have and why? Yeah, uh, that's I, I got that one for you. So, uh, <laughs> All right. so I, I'm going to go with. Uh, so like I mentioned before, Brad Paisley was a big influence on me when I was growing up through middle school and high school. So I'm going to go with. My favorite Brad Paisley album, I think it's his best one, and it's an older one. It's the Time Well Wasted album. Um, so I'm going to go with that, and then I'm going to go with an Eric Church album. My favorite Eric Church album is his uh, his first album he released in 2006, Sinners Like Me. Oh, so I'm going to go with that one, and then got to have a got to got to get into my my country music Mount Rushmore. So uh, I got to have a Merle Haggard. I'm, I'm just going to say. I'm just going to go with a Merle Haggard greatest hits up, uh, album because there's yeah. too many Merle Haggard songs to pick. Yep. You know, so I'm just going to go with the greatest hits and then same with George Jones. Give me a George Jones greatest hits. 
and then, you know, give me some Daryl Singletary or Keith Whitley or something like that, you know? All right. Awesome. Hey, <laughs> you didn't even make a sweat. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I, I, I was ready for it. <laughs> hey, yeah, I give you a hand clap. There you go. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, you know, I want to definitely give you an opportunity to kind of speak directly to your fans and your new fans. Cause after this podcast, I'm sure that you're going to have quite a few new fans, you know, especially when they hear the music and, you know, now that they know so much more about you. So uh, what would you like your fans to know about you? Oh. That maybe we haven't talked about yet. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think we covered a lot, which is great. Um, but basically, I mean, I, I am who I am. What you see is what you get. I'm a very simple down to earth, normal guy. Um, you know, I'm just kind of a Northern redneck, I guess you could call it if you wanted to. <laughs> Funny thing that I, I think that, you know, try to, try to try to maybe break away from the stereotype of that, like that people up North aren't country or don't listen to country or the Yankees, whatever. Like it's, uh, um, upstate New York is very rural, very country. I mean, I grew up around farms and dairy farms and, and cows and, you know, and, and farmers are some of my, my closest friends back home. And it's just really like people say, Oh, it must've been such a culture shock when you moved to Nashville. It really wasn't like, I don't live in the city. I live 30 minutes outside of Nashville in the country where I like to be. And, uh, and it really wasn't that big of a culture shock for me. Like, yeah, it's 15 hours from home, but I grew up that way. I grew up around farms. I grew up in the woods. I grew up hunting and fishing. And so I'm really just the same as, as anybody else that grew up like that, that might've grown up in Georgia or, you know, Texas or, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that's just me. That's who I am. I, I grew up wearing a camo ball cap and hunting and fishing. And, you know, right. All right. Yeah. So I like a that. Bit more about me, I guess. Yeah, that and that's an important distinction to make, uh, Blaine. And thank you for being like completely, you know, honest and you know, a, a straight shooter when it comes to stuff like that. Because you're right. I mean, I, you know, I, I know this sounds so, you know, dated and everything, but you know, there is this kind of uh, misconception. You know, either you know you're from yeah. the south and you're not, yeah. and so you know we're the ones that love country music and y'all over there <laughs> listen to yeah. something else not the case. So um, the other thing that I would absolutely like for you to share with us is how can fans connect with you? So if you have a Facebook, Twitter, yeah. Instagram, your website, just give me your handles across social media and your website address. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. So my uh, so my Facebook and my my TikTok, because that's apparently a thing now. Um, yeah. yeah. So th those are both Blaine Holcomb music. And then my Instagram is just at Blaine Holcomb. And uh, I don't really have much of a presence on Twitter. So um, that's not, not even going to use that one. But uh, uh, but anyways, um, yeah, so that covers Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. And then YouTube, I'm on YouTube as well. I have a YouTube channel. I think it's just under my name. should be able to find it. And then uh, my website is, is easy, just www.blaineholcomb.com. And on there, there's links to all my socials. And also another thing that I would encourage people to do uh, if they want to stay uh, up to date with everything I have going on, uh, the, the easiest way and the quickest way to do that is go to my website, blaineholcomb.com, and subscribe to my, my email mailing list. So there's a, there's a, a subscription box that you can just enter your email into and then submit that to us. And then we will, every single time I'm releasing any, any, any news, any updates, any music, any videos, anything at all, 
you will get a notification uh, through email and you'll be able to keep up to date with everything that I'm, I'm up to. Oh, that's great. Now, what are you hoping to uh, accomplish with this latest release? Um, what are your hopes? What's your dream? You know, and yeah. so this one. Uh, so first of all, I, I believe very strongly in all these songs. And what I'm most proud of about this is that I'm a, I'm a writer on five out of the six of these songs. There's only one song on this project that I did not write that I got from some other writers. And, and that's probably what I'm most proud of because that's, I've, I've taken the time to develop my writing over the last handful of years I've been in Nashville. And I'm very much the type of artist where I want to record the best songs that I can, songs that are, that fit the, the best and not necessarily whether they're mine or not. Like I'm not just going to record my songs because they're my songs. If my songs aren't good enough and if there's another song that's better, I'm going to record that song. Sure. And so I'm proud of that because I feel like my songs for the first time are strong enough. And I really believe in these songs and I would be 100% confident to take these songs to any record label in this town and show them to anybody with complete confidence. But I also know that a big part of this game these days is social media and it's a numbers mm -hmm. game. And so that's what I really am trying to focus on right now. I definitely want to show this stuff to some labels and, and just kind of get on the radar and, and see what their right. interest level is. But I also know that this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. I'm not trying to be a right. one hit wonder and a shooting star. So um, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm thinking long term here and over the course of my career, where, where am I going to be? What do I want to be in five years, 10 years, 20 years from now? And so with this project, I really my goal is to get this music out there to all these country music fans that hopefully will love it and just tell them more about me and my music and what I'm what I'm doing with my artistry and just try to bring them in to be to be a part of it with me. I want you know to try to get as many loyal, diehard Blaine Holcomb country music fans as I can with this, with this project. That's amazing. That's awesome. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Like if let's say that everything goes well, okay. And you just, you know, blow up, you know, quote unquote. So what yeah. would you, you know, say in five years, gosh, you know, I made it, I'm here now. What, what yeah. does that look like? Okay, so if, all right, so in a in a dream world, if in five years I've I've I feel like I've made it, then I'd say, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm probably headlining my own country tour around the country, playing shows to thousands of fans. Um, I'm a member of the Grand Old Opry, uh, awesome. which would be a, a dream, and uh, I I uh, I still live in Nashville, obviously. I probably have a have myself a nice farm at that point with uh, some acreage to do some deer hunting and turkey hunting on. And uh, yeah, that's that would be the dream for me right there. All right. Awesome. All right. And you would be on a major label or would you be? On yeah, uh, pr probably. Yeah. I mean, we'll see how that, you know, just kind of how that works out over the course of time here and see what opportunities present themselves and what doors open, but that's probably, uh, yeah, probably the path if, if, if it's the right thing to do. Yeah. All right. That sounds great. I love that. I love that. I love the confidence too. So we like to close up with, um, a, an ending song and you did mention that there is a song that's coming out uh, pretty soon. Yes. So, um, do you have a, your guitar with you? Can you play it for us? Or? I do. Yeah. I'm happy to play it. I, uh, I will kind of, uh, preface that by saying that I sang uh, five shows over the weekend on Broadway in Nashville. So my work is a little scratchy. Just a shot of whiskey will clear it right up. That's right. Yeah. A shot of Jameson usually takes care of it. Um, 
But uh, the, the other thing is, uh, I don't know how this is going to sound audio wise coming through my computer, but I'll, I'll give it a shot. All right. So this is, uh, this song is the title track of this album. Um, and that'll be the kind of the first release and just kind of like a first look and first glimpse at what this, this, uh, EP is going to be all about. And then we'll have three singles to follow with all music videos. And then the, the full EP comes out in October. So this one is the title track of the new project. It's called Over a Beer. I wrote this with my good buddy, Jay Burgess. Cracked those cans and started drinking. Mom and dad were gone for the weekend. At 10 o'clock, we were good and drunk. At 10.15, the cops showed up. We hopped the backyard fence and we were on the run. The days are short and the nights are long. When you live a life like a country song. Had some good times, shed some tears. Hey man, that's what got me here. Grounded for years. Over a beer. After graduation, we both called quits. Tried to move on, but we never did. Late one night, I called her up. We drank a six-pack in my truck. I told her that she's always been the one. Days are short and nights are long. But you live in life like a country song. Had some good times, shed some tears. Hey man, that's what got me here. Back in love after all these years. Over a beer.